Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are crashing through Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Kester Dorowski. I am Andrew Dorowski. And today we are again joined by Josh and Gavin from the Animation Station podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Gavin. Oh, no, you're not. I'm Gavin. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to be back, though. Dang. (laughs) Maybe maybe one day I'll be Gavin. When I grow up, I want to be a Gavin. Well, wish upon a star. Uh, today we are discussing minute 53 of The Little Mermaid, which begins with Grimsby saying, it is rather a fine one. Uh, he's talking about his, his mm-hmm. pipe. Yes, he snarf is. Flat. His snarf flat. And it ends with Chef Louis singing, and I serve it up. <laughs> <laughs> They're breaking between lines uh, and Another songs. break. <laughs> Minute 53 of The Little Mermaid features Ariel using the snarf blat as a snarf blat, not as a pipe, <laughs> uh, which makes Eric smile. <laughs> Chef Louis preparing dinner and singing about how he is making the fish. Uh, and Sebastian getting sick fr- um, and and terrified from the thought and sight of Chef Louis preparing fish. And, he try- and Sebastian tries to run away and hide. So that he doesn't get caught mm-hmm. by Chef Louis. Oh, let's talk dining room first, and then we'll go to Chef Louis and, and Le Poisson Perfect. and the kitchen. Why hasn't Eric smiled in weeks? Also, he hasn't been home for weeks. That's what Carlotta's and, saying. And less... I haven't seen you smile for weeks. It's because he's been on the ship <laughs> on a voyage, and, and then there was a shipwreck, and like he's been stressed out, and Grimsby's like, we gotta get you married, and all that stuff. But yeah, so like Carlotta's probably not seen him that much since the shipwreck. So yeah, I believe he hasn't been smiling for weeks for her. Well, how long has it been? I mean, we've talked about it, but with her saying this... It's been... It, it just think, doesn't make sense to me. I think me. like 36 hours since the shipwreck. Okay. It seems there may because... be more time passing, though, because even in the in the first scene when ariel is on shore and he discovers her you get a sense that he's been moping around for some time just brooding about this girl that rescued him so he there may, how to play a may flute. have been a time lapse in there that we don't see i mean and ariel was in love for like a week before triton found her grotto yeah. and blew it up and then she went to yeah. ursula you know i mean there there could be some more time in there so her statement may not be totally false but yeah i don't think he's been home for months certainly that's fair yeah i guess <laughs> but i i had always thought of it as like this is like 36 right. hours and since i can the see crash. that too That's yeah. tough. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about like the possibility that there was a big mm-hmm. gap uh, relatively early on. And he's been he's been um, just thinking about Ariel mm-hmm. for weeks and she's been thinking about him for weeks. And then see, I think that was just, and, that... and we've run into that on our show a lot where I think a lot of times uh, Josh views a timeline of a movie as quite literal, where I'm almost always assuming when they cut from scene to scene time has passed like it's not necessarily in the next moment this happens and so i think uh well then I they may need have to a, show a length the, of the time progression of time well yeah they don't always show you the progression of I time know, like with that's, a that's montage me. like hakuna matata or something yeah. but 
you know, I, I think I always build in more time between scenes than most viewers do just because I'm assuming things that people aren't assuming, I guess. So I may have a weird bias of a length of time bias that colors my picture of it. <laughs> I I think I usually lean towards like, for the most part, it's as soon as could reasonably mm-hmm. be expected. Um, so like Ariel leaves Eric and then she's super chipper. So it's like, that's maybe the next day, but maybe the same day, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like build in a week right. automatically. And I mean, we, we don't really know how far Ursula's is because I mean, she was banished and usually you're not like a splish splash and a swim away. I tried to do a hop, skip and a jump, but with fishies. So, <laughs> I mean, surely maybe she's a couple days out of whatever see, underwater yeah. place. Yeah. That's, that's is a, it Atlantis? Point. But also close enough to shore. Did, did they ever call it Atlantis? I don't know. Is it Atlantis? Atlantica. Atlantica. That's it. Yeah. That's but that's not in this film. Right. That is from uh, TV an- shows and, and and sequels. Mm. Got it. But yeah, it it I that was my first question. Like, has it been weeks? Has it been weeks? I don't know. I love how. She's super excited to like try out the snarf flat, even though she just <laughs> screwed up with the uh, with the dingle hopper, and then she does it, and Eric smiles, and she knows that she screwed up, and well, so she's, she's embarrassed. She's, she's and then embarrassed. Carlotta says that it's the first time I've seen you smile in so long, and then she's happy that she made Eric smile when he hasn't mm-hmm. been smiling. Yeah, and I I think that's a moment to me where we have to remember this is a sixteen year old kid. You know, like 16 year olds make mistakes and then they immediately forget the mistakes they made and they make them over and over again. (laughs) And, you know, eventually they learn. But this is this is just an immature kid making a mistake. I mean, she's got she's part fish. So, I mean, that short term memory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's also good that I, I think like it's part of Ariel's character that she can be embarrassed and then switch to happy so quickly. She doesn't feel like everyone's laughing at her. She can switch to like, Oh, okay. Like it's just kind of a funny mm-hmm. thing. Um, and she doesn't just like keep digging the embarrassment hole. Mm-hmm. Should we jump to, uh, no, I, oh. I the Carlotta. I okay. have notes about Carlotta. Let's talk about Carlotta before we get to okay. the kitchen. So her dress First, her dress before I get to okay, her voice Carlotta's acting. Carlotta's dress. <laughs> yes. It is. It was made very similar to Cinderella's working oh, dress. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a little bit. With like the. Does she have an apron and everything? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and the hair wrap and, and all that. I mean, Carlotta is definitely a different body mm-hmm. type from Cinderella. But it was, but Carlotta's dress is basically the same thing as Cinderella's mm-hmm. dress. Now on to the voice actress, uh, Eddie or Edie McClurg. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, so the on our audio commentary, the the animators, uh, not the animators, uh, Ron, John, Ron John, and John, and Alan, and Alan. Yeah, we're on a first name <laughs> oh, basis. Nice with these guys. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, Ron. Let's see. Uh, Ron Clemens, mm-hmm. John Musker, yep. Alan Menken. Yes, they all specifically mentioned that she was a a television a mm-hmm. comedian uh, who worked with Pee Wee's yep. Playhouse, 
But then I did a little more research on her, and she's done a lot of voiceover work, um, even with Disney yep, and Pixar. lots of voices. Uh, let's, yes. Let's hear a few lots of them. Lots of voices. I, I think um, she does the, the wardrobe in mm-hmm. Beauty and the Beast, right? Who else has she done? Because she also, like, her voice has a quality that sounds familiar, even if you can't place it. She. I feel like she's in Cars as well. She is. She's. That's mini. right. She's the minivan. The minivan. The yeah, minivan. The minivan couple. Because mm-hmm. there's mini. There's mini yeah. and van. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's Gerda in Frozen. Oh yeah. Mary in Wreck-It Ralph. Wait. Oh, I know exactly who she is in Which Wreck-It Ralph that? now. She's the one that makes the cake. Oh, that's right. You can hear it as soon as you like are thinking mm-hmm. about that scene. You're like, oh yeah, Mary. <laughs> She's also been on some, uh, like Hannah Montana one ha- Hannah Montana episode and stuff like that. So she she's uh, like a yes. working actress. She's yes. always around. Yes, she's getting she's getting plenty of jobs, but maybe not the big roles. Yes, in Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, she uh, just did a bunch of additional voices. Mm-hmm. Nothing in particular, but she did some voices there. I always I, like. I love to see that there are people in Hollywood who don't have a big role to their name necessarily, but are always working for mm-hmm. like decades. They just have have a steady stream of work for decades, and it it sounds like they, you know, it always seems like they just maintain such an interesting life where they're like, oh, I'm here, I do this, and then I don't work for three weeks, and then I I do this thing for two months, and. It is like it's such an interesting element of Hollywood because we usually just think about big stars, but it's like there's tons of working actors and actresses who are just you know keeping yeah. busy in smaller parts, and and I hope that they're happy doing that because like they really bring a lot of life to movies. I mean, like Carlotta does a great job in this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, on that note, Grimsby is a great little side character too. He's just solid. You know, you don't need much from him. But, you know, both of those actors did a great job in their roles, just giving, you know, substantialness and believability to just two side characters that are really just there to play things off of. And, yeah, I think they do a great job. Yeah. And then the animator of Carlotta, there was only one animator for her. It was Anthony Perosa. We, we really like to give credit to the yeah. animators when we can. Totally. If, if we know their if we can find out what their name is, we want to make sure it's clear. <laughs> Who nice. did what? Nice. Yes. Now okay. we can get on okay, to the kitchen. Okay, to the kitchen. Yes. Chef Louis and Le Poisson. The first note I want to say before we get into anything else about Chef Louis, I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, Star all Trek that Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh-uh. Oh, okay, all that? Yeah. Because Keenan Thompson had a skit where he was Pierre Escargot and he would just say a bunch of random French stuff and laugh to himself. And he was dressed in a raincoat and he sat in a bathtub with tons of bubbles. And it was like, as a kid, that was like the like joke about French pronunciation and French laughing, which is the ha ha ha, which I don't understand where that came from, but we get it in this, in this, in, in the song. And uh-huh. I like, I don't understand how that became a thing and how it was like culturally understood. It's like, this is, this is how you make fun of a French person laughing. But at the same time, it doesn't uh, feel like super offensive. 
I feel like the first time I heard any reference to that would have been Monty Python because they do that mm. in, in Holy Grail, you know, where yeah. he's, he's like, I told him I already got one. And yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think maybe that's where we kind of have the contemporary impression of that type of laughter, but um, I've never even heard of that show you just referenced. What was it called? Never watched all that. All that. All that it was no. basically Saturday Night Live for kids and teens. Yeah, it was uh, on Nickelodeon. And when was it on? And then they had the Amanda uh, Show after it, that in the nineties. Okay, okay. I was but, like in the late nineties, yeah. mid nineties, mid to late. Yeah. I'd okay. Say. All right. I may have been a little old for that show. I'm I'm the old guy uh-huh. in the room here. So <laughs> and I was I was too young. I I never watched it. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, it was it was Keaton Thompson. You know, but basically cutting his teeth on all the things he would later do on Saturday Night Live. Gotcha. But he played he played Pierre Escargot, and he would do this like it's a one minute skit where he would just say, "I'm guessing probably just a phonetic pronunciation of some French stuff that was put on a card in front of him because it does not sound like he practiced saying this no. French stuff." And, uh, then, and and then he would say what it actually translates to, which it, is always ridiculous. Like the monkey is drumming on my stomach. <laughs> Nice. Like, why are we learning to say that in French? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll have to go back and see if I can see some clips of that. But yeah, he would just like say it and then he would laugh to himself and be like, <laughs> amazing. Whatever happened to Lloyd um, Beth Denberg? Okay. So I was, I was online. Huh? I was looking at the, uh, the script that, that I found online of Little Mermaid. And it says Chef Louis mutters to himself or says some, some things to himself. But on our DVD version... The, he doesn't explain what he's saying here at the beginning. No. He's just like kind of... Okay, because I guess in a script they could just say like... He's just going like... Da, 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 da. It's not really part of Les Poissons. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. On our DVD version with the subtitles on, we there are three things that he says. Okay, what does he say? Because he's like he's like digging in the cupboard and grabbing some fish, which I guess that means that cupboard's an icebox. Yes, <laughs> I guess. Uh, nouvelle cuisine. So new cu- new, new kitchen. Cu- oh, okay. New kitchen is is what it means, or or new cuisine if yeah. you want to just use cuisine as uh-huh. cuisine. Okay, I like reading that. I'm like, oh, novel cuisine. Okay, like he's cooking up cool stuff. Yes. Cool new stuff. That makes uh, sense. Le Champ Elysse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I could find about that is it's an avenue in Paris that was completed in 1670. Okay, so right. I think I think they do you think they probably had Rene Abergenois just doing this himself, and then they animated after it, or do you think they had anything scripted for him? No idea. Because, based on the next thing he says, it could have just been Rene, like, mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm just playing this part, and, okay, what's the next thing he says? The third thing. Maurice Chevalier. <laughs> or Chevalier. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so it's, um, Nouvelle Cuisine. Uh, what was the second uh, one? Uh, Les Champs and I'm betting that's just a road he knew about, mm-hmm. and so he just, like, said that, and then he he finishes it Maurice with Chevalier. Chevalier, which who who was Maurice Chevalier? We looked it up, and uh, he's a French actor, cabaret mm-hmm. singer, and entertainer mm-hmm. uh, who died in 1972, mm-hmm. and he's best known for um, his songs, uh, including Louise. Mimi, Valentine, and Thank Heaven for Little Girls, yeah. and for his films, The Love Parade, The Big Pond, and Love Me Tonight. 
Yeah, he's I've never heard he's of him. He's the the lead leading actor in the the film uh musical Gigi, which is fantastic. He's also he's basically who um the French parrot um Pierre in the Tiki Room at the parks. That's basically an impersonation oh. of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I wonder if this is supposed yeah. to be a reference to that. Maybe. Yeah, I mean he uh, is basically the most famous French actor of all time, and he was in a okay. lot of American films. But like, why Chef Louis <laughs> is singing about him makes no sense yes. with the timeline. Exactly, yes, and that then... doesn't track. But it's it, like, like this opening, he's just kind of. I think they said just kind of sing some nonsense French stuff, right? And so these are the things that came to mind. It's like I'll say new cuisine, I'll say a street in France, and I'll say Maurice <laughs> Chevalier, a famous French actor. I like yes. it. Um, and then he jumps into the song, right? Yes. Yes. Now um, I am yeah. super excited. You know, when we, when you guys, you know, kind of uh, first uh, pitched this whole thing to us and told us what it was going to be, I was so hoping we would get a few minutes with a song in it, and I'm so pumped that we have a song. I love this song. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> I would say this is the fifth best song in the in the movie with okay. six songs in it, right? Okay. Which is uh, which is just it's a little rough because you have part of your world and under the sea and poor unfortunate souls and kiss the girl ahead of this because like those are just like four for four fantastic songs this yeah. movie did so well with the musical numbers that's true i think the music is the very best thing uh, that is in this movie and yeah you're you're right stacking it up against those songs it probably comes in after those but i mean coming in fifth to those four songs is quite quite an honor yeah i mean what Howard Ashman and Alan Menken did with the music here is just spectacular. And, um, you know, this song is kind of has a special place for me just because it's probably my wife's favorite Disney song because it cracks her up so much. And she sings it with <laughs> this amazing, like, French gusto. And, and you know, she really gets it's into it. To. I know. It's hilarious. But anyway, I'm really excited we get to talk about this song. Um with mentioning the music before we get into the song i wanted to mention uh in the commentary they they talked about this but uh so um alan menken wrote all the score throughout the film mm -hmm. and this film has a lot of score and in a lot of places once ariel loses her voice the score is kind of acting to support her 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 lack of voice it, it helps support her character in lieu of having a voice mm -hmm. yeah that makes um, sense. Okay. Now, now we can get into le, the song. Le Poisson. <laughs> okay, do you want me to read the lyrics and translate the French? Uh, yes, let's go with the lyrics as he performs them. Listeners, if you haven't seen this part, like it's not going to make sense because it's just like this energetic, this guy loves cooking. And even though this is kind of a hyper-violent uh, <laughs> depiction of cooking and, and the song seems a little bit uh, intense, it's it's just... It's so much fun to watch someone do something that they love. And this chef obviously loves cooking fish. Yes. So the, the, the Les Poissons literally translates to the fish. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the plural version of fish. Which so. is a little tricky because when you read it, it looks like it says the poisons. Right. 
<laughs> okay, I guess. It does. Sorry, I took French for like four years. I did so, not. And my mom uh, speaks French. She she lived in France for uh, a year and a half. So Yeah, so she completely speaks French. So she, she completely speaks French. And um, yeah, she actually, she actually uh, went to France the year after to to live there for a year and a half for uh she she was serving a mission for our church mm-hmm. and she uh and when she was learning the language they sang this th- song because it because she went out in 1990 <laughs> and uh, so they nice. would sing this song as they're practicing um but anyways uh, les poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons. So the fish. Love to chop and to serve little fish. First I cut off their heads. This is where it starts getting kind of graphically mm-hmm. violent. Because <laughs> he's also swinging a, a massive cleaver and like you're seeing some of this happen. By the way, by the end of this minute, we get to uh, cleaver count four. Whoa. And possibly uh, one of them is an axe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But he like he like pulls a cleaver from like his back pocket. <laughs> First, I cut off their heads. He pulls the cleaver and just... from nowhere, and nowhere, like, and then okay. the head bounces off mm-hmm. to Sebastian. How I don't, don't understand, but whatever. It. Then I pull out their bones. This is also kind of graphic. Mm-hmm. Ah, mais oui, which is ah, but yes. Ça c'est toujours délicieux. This is always a delight. <laughs> you should not be enjoying that that much. Maybe I think. Yes, les poissons, les poissons. He 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 ha ha ha. <laughs> there it so is. That for, like I don't understand where that came from. What, is, what does so that translate to in this moment? <laughs> With a cleaver, I hack them into. I think that's when the head yes. passes to Sebastian. I pull out. And so Sebastian's watching all of this. He's like, this guy loves to kill fish. I sang a song about how fish become the meal on land. I am in danger. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I pull out what's inside and I serve it up. That's all that he seems this. this... Oh, yeah. It cuts off right there. Yeah. Yeah. But he's throwing it into a skillet. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I suspect it's going to be fried. You already know. I know, I know. It, 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 it does end up being fried. Uh, and he serves it up fried. But, like, it's, like this song is, like all the songs in this movie, kind of infectious. Like, mm-hmm. you're just feeling it. Yes. Um, if you listen to it, and if you seen parts of it, um, it actually sounds, there are parts that sound very similar to be our guest yeah that's like on, mm-hmm. on our episode i talked about that a lot it's basically be our guest with fish guts that's what this song is <laughs> it's a little more up tempo but it, it makes sense it's the exact same writing team that did both songs they're both french and yeah, yeah. And one they're, they're, definitely they're harkens back to the other french yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes they both have that he 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 ho 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 feel uh-huh. to them he 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 ho Like, and Chef Louis, like, he's so, like, the character that they've created for him is probably the most comical uh, human-ish character. Uh, Like, I'm counting mermaids in there. Right. The most comical human character in the film. Oh, yeah. And he's he's completely, like, way too heightened. He's so much, like, such a broad character. And his his 
mustache mm-hmm. is is super pencil thin and curled until it's not curled because sometimes it goes into lightning bolts. But oh my goodness, like he is great. But, this song is great. I can't sing along to this song without like being well. You can't watch French. it without singing along, right? Yes, right. and then you just feel so like French and cooking and. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it like, was hard for me to read that without, without just going, just into, going it. into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it's did, super catchy, it's and you know, his, all of his expressiveness, and you know, even down to his mustache, which becomes expressive in and of itself. It curls and it straightens, and it goes into like zigzags, and you know, depending on what happens, and all of that just heightens everything to make this such a a fun, frolicking kind of song. And then you know, we'll get to it when we talk about our next minute. And it just there's so much energy in this scene, and I love it juxtaposed against the quiet little conversation that's happening outside in the dining room. All this chaos that's happening right next door. And uh, I mean, the this song plays to all of that perfectly. And I like the tempo of it. I like the melody of it. And the lyrics are hilarious. Because like you point out, they're pretty violent and graphic. And especially when you've got a live crab, like watching all of his comrades just get sliced and diced. But he's singing it in such a comical, fun way that it just it ends up just being delightful despite all of the macabre, you know, subject matter that Sebastian's witnessing. Yeah. And there's a great character moment right as he's about to start, like, singing and cooking. He straightens his bow tie. Uh He, like, adjusts his tie just before he gets going. And it's like, this guy just loves what he's doing. (laughs) And and that's, it's so good to see that because, you know, so often, and, and I mean, this is in movies, this is just in culture. People don't enjoy what they're doing. And when you see someone enjoying what they're doing, it's it's great. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely in his element. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think um, this song, it it's an interesting balance because it certainly feels like it could be like a, like a deviation from the story or something to have this kind of comical song in the middle of a movie Mm -hmm. but i also feel like it's part of a a strong tradition that disney has like not not with things like be our guest because that one is certainly uh filling a role in the film and it's a it's a big like centerpiece set piece uh demonstration of the the advancements in technology and things like that right uh i'd say it's closer to something like in summer and frozen i uh, i agree where it's like this this comedy thing it's like okay it's not super important to keep the story moving, yeah. but it's a nice little breather. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's it like the, the it's Hula song the, uh, in Lion King. Which song in Frozen? Yeah. In Summer. <laughs> the which one? In Summer. I don't know who sings. Olaf's what? song. Oh, the, oh that one, yeah. Summer, I yeah. think I skipped that um, part. <laughs> maybe in um, Entangled, it's maybe a little bit like the tavern song with the ruffians. Yeah. Yeah. But that one still that one still serves the movie maybe a little bit more than this. Right. I don't I can't think of a lot of examples, but there's definitely a tradition where this type of song is present. It's like the um the silly song in Snow White. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Which I love that song. That's I think one of my very favorite moments in Snow White. Mm-hmm. And the film would be so much worse without it. I think this song it's hard because it features only like a secondary and tertiary character. Mm-hmm. yeah that's and that's true that's i think the weakest part of it but as a song and as a sequence it's not weak 
Yes. So they made something strong for uh, characters who aren't the leads. Yes. I have more facts about the song for tomorrow's minute. So. I, I I am ready to move on. Well, if you guys I, are. I, I just want to talk a little bit more about the kitchen itself and, and kind of the artwork in this scene, because I feel like this is a really beautiful scene that sometimes gets overlooked because of the comedy and all, everything that's happening in it. But just like all of the other interior shots of the castle, this kitchen is just exquisitely animated and there's so many objects and textures and things in it that I'm always impressed by this scene. And one thing that I don't think a lot of people consider or think about, I do because I'm an artist and and I'm always drawing and painting and trying to render things uh, either realistically or not. And one of the hardest things to, to draw accurately or paint accurately is food items. And I don't know why that is, but food is, is different. Like it just has a different quality to it. And so I love watching, uh, especially Disney animation where they animate food scenes. And this is among the best because I feel like everything is so instantly identifiable and it all does look like food. Like you could eat it, you know, like when it's being prepared and when it's served. And that may be a weird thing to point out, but I just feel like it's worth pointing out because that's a lot more challenging than I think a lot of people realize is drawing food. Like it's hard to draw, you know, I think of like, uh, like a hamburger. Like how do you go about drawing a ground beef patty? Like there's some challenges there that don't exist with other things. And anyway, I just wanted to say that I think that the animation and the artwork in this really silly scene is actually really quite spectacular. It's definitely worth mentioning. I'm going to throw out that the backgrounds through this, they put a lot of work into creating, I'd say, at least half a dozen different backgrounds Mm -hmm. for this one environment, for the kitchen, which really only appears in this one week. Yeah. That's a lot of work to put into this environment for how little it is on screen. I agree. And I think that's one of the things that makes Disney so great is because they're willing to put attention to detail into a little kind of almost throwaway scene like this, you know, and yeah, it ends up being probably personally my second or third favorite scene in the movie. In I know in uh, Snow White, some of the backgrounds, those were all watercolors and mm-hmm. it might take a few weeks to to more than a month to complete any background painting mm-hmm. that would be animated over. So I don't know what they were dealing with for this movie or, or this scene in particular, but I mean, there's at least, at least five or six backgrounds that they use in the kitchen, different angles mm-hmm. and, um, and perspectives and things. So it stacks up. Yeah, I agree. I think it's marvelous. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for you today. We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. Our guests can be found. You can find the Animation Station Podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast. On Twitter at Animate Podcast. You can find us on our Facebook page, Animation Station Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can check us out on our website, AnimationStationPodcast.com. And you can go to the top and click on the podcast tab to listen to all of our episodes. All right. Until next time, listeners, thank you for making us part of your world. <laughs>